Welcome to Sermons from St. Paul's Lutheran Church of Minot, North Dakota. St. Paul's is anchored in the message of Christ crucified for the forgiveness of sins, for the church and for the world. The following sermon is from Rev. Dr. Matthew Richard. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing, And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over ninety-nine righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. My friends, it seems like everyone wants to have Jesus in their corner these days. Yes, everyone wants to have Jesus in their corner. What would Jesus do? Well, he would support my agenda and not yours. Jesus would accept me and not you. He's a part of my group, my clique, and not yours. Therefore, your agenda and what you stand for are not valid because, well, Jesus does not receive you, but he receives me. Oh, yes, he does. He does not receive evil people like you, but receives good people like me. Indeed, it seems that Jesus is more often than not used as a pawn for political agendas and social activism and economic theories these days. That is to say, Jesus is used as a way to validate a particular Yes, political party or particular social activist. Like a game of tug of war, well, Jesus is often yanked into a group for validation until he is then pulled into a different group for their validation and back and forth there Jesus goes. And here's the catch. The group that can demonstrate that Jesus receives them the most, well, they are the one that can play the moral high ground and condemn everyone else around them as subpar outcasts and rejects who, what, don't have Jesus. But in doing this, a huge problem arises, though. The problem with this kind of thinking is that it portrays Jesus as receiving champions 
and not outcasts. Yes, indeed, it portrays Jesus as receiving champions and not outcasts. Indeed, it makes Jesus into someone who came into the world to support the righteous and not the rejects. In other words, this is the exact opposite. I repeat, is the exact opposite of what Jesus says in the Bible. You see, Jesus says that he came into the world, yes, he came into the world for a very particular purpose, to save sinners. In our gospel reading from Luke, yes, from the gospel Luke as well, we hear that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. That is the complete opposite of what we would suppose. But regardless of what we hear from Jesus and our gospel reading, we still, my friends, we still do not want to be sinners and we still want to have Jesus to be a part of our group. And so what we end up doing is that we put a muzzle on Jesus. We close our ears by not listening to him and his word. And furthermore, we will often mute his word and even at times change his word so that we don't have to hear that we are sinners. While at the same exact time, putting Jesus in our back pocket as an affirmation of ourselves and our group. To make things even worse, when we come across sinners, that is to say, rejects and outcasts who listen to Jesus' words, well, we end up scoffing at them. We turn our nose up at them and we scoff at them because Jesus couldn't possibly welcome those kind of people. He can't be with these low-life scum because he is with us. He is in our group. He can't be a part of both at the same time. The Pharisees of the first century, they were playing the same kind of game as well. You see, the Pharisees, they did not listen to Jesus. And as a result, when Jesus welcomed sinners, and not only welcomed them, but ate with them, well, the Pharisees, they grumbled. Oh, boy, did they grumble. They griped and they bellyached because Jesus was validating those kind of people, those sinners. He was accepting people who were not in good standing according to the religious Pharisees. People who were a part of that outcast and sinful group. But the Pharisees were severely mistaken in their group type of thinking. And my friends, we are too. You see, for Jesus, there's not two groups or three groups. In fact, there's no hierarchy. There's only, get this, one group. Not two, not three, but just one group. That is to say, Jesus only acknowledges and receives and welcomes one group. And what is that group? Well, that group is called sinners. Yes, sinners. You see, dear friends, it is quite simple. With Jesus, since there's only one group, there are only two ways we can respond to this group, to this idea of being sinners. There are those, yes, there are those on the one hand who deny that they are sinners. Yes, they deny that they are sinners. And then on the other hand, there are those who confess that they are sinners. Yes, because there's only one group, there are only two reactions. Two reactions. Either you deny that you're a part of the sinner group, or you confess that you are a part of it. It is that simple, my friends. 
Indeed, it is that simple. You see, those who deny, yes, those who deny that they are sinners, well, they beat their chest in self-confidence. They declare that they are not like all those other sinners and that Jesus is a part of their elite group. There's more. They do not listen to anyone, and they do not listen to anything, but they run with their mouth, telling the world and everyone else how great they are, even telling God of how awesome they are and how they are not like all those other people. On the other hand, yes, on the other hand, those who confess that they are sinners, well, they beat their chest in repentance to declare that they are spiritually bankrupt and they, yes, they are welcomed by Jesus. There is more, my friends. The Lord, he actually puts ears on these sinners. Yes, he gives them ears so that they will listen to Jesus. Two types of people. Those who deny that they are sinners with closed ears and running mouths and those who confess that they are sinners with closed mouths and open ears. Which one are you today? Yes, that leads us to the question, and that question is this, which one are you this day? Are you like the Pharisees, devoting all of your time trying to convince yourself that you are not a sinner? If so, know this, you are deceived. You are not in some separate elite group, somehow above other sinners. You are just not that special, my friends. There's only one group. Yes, there's only one group of all humanity, and that is the sin-sick group, which includes every single one of you, and especially me too. In the words of the Apostle Paul, no one is righteous, not even one. And secondly, you are not capable of earning righteousness. No matter how hard you scrub the stain of sin, no matter how much spiritual cosmetics you apply, and no matter how much you try to impress God, well, my friends, you're part of the same group as everyone else, the sinner group. Indeed, we are one great group of sinners. You see, dear friends, imagining that you are not a sinner before God, that you are somehow in a different class of people due to your worth or your merit is not only deceptively wrong, get this, it is heretical, is indeed heretical. You are sin sick just like the rest of humanity, just like your pastor. We are all in the same sinking boat of sin, damaged by the virus of sin, together. To imagine that we are not a sinner is not only to deny reality, but it is also, get this, to deny the reality of our need of Jesus. Indeed, when we imagine that we don't have sin or that our sin is not as bad as those other people, well, we're essentially relying on ourselves. We're pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps and we're rejecting our need of Jesus. Jesus, who, get this, bears the sins of the entire world, which includes yours and mine. So, dear friends, repent. Do not be like the Pharisees who think they do not need forgiveness. Repent of pretending that you are not a sinner. Yes, do not pretend that you are healthy and have no use for a doctor. 
Beware of not wishing to be a part of the great group of sinners for Christ. He only comes for sinners. Christ only comes for sinners. But rather, in repentance and faith, sit at the table with fellow sinners. Yes, sit at the table with fellow sinners. Not to boast in your own sins. Heavens, no, not to boast in your own sins, but to hear about the forgiveness of your sins in Jesus. Yes, eat with tax collectors and rejects and outcasts, not because you're trying to somehow show some sort of compassion to them, but because you are like them. But because you are like them, you are like them because you are a sinner too in need of hearing from Jesus just like everyone else in this world. And what do you hear from Jesus? Well, you not only hear that there is one group, that there is one group of sinners, but we also hear that for this group of sinners, Christ died. Yes, that Christ died for sinners. Indeed, in Christ, as a sinner, you have one who delights in mercy towards you. In Christ, you have one who casts all of your sins into the depths of the sea through the cross. In Jesus, you have one who still sits at a table with you and me in the Holy Supper to give us forgiveness, life, and salvation. In fact, as a part of this group of sinners, Christ considers you as a saint. Yes, a saint, for you are covered in his blood, covered in his blood, made radiant white through his sacrifice for you. That is the whole point that Jesus is trying to make to you and me from the parables in our reading from the Gospel of Luke. Our Lord not only welcomes sinners and eats with them, but he eagerly seeks them out. He seeks them out. He seeks out the lost sheep. He looks for the lost coin. He longs for the prodigal son. These are all pictures of that great love of the Lord for sinners, for you and for me too. They're pictures of the Lord Jesus seeking out sinners like you and me so that we might receive and hear the gospel. That gospel that for Christ's sake we are forgiven. God be praised, my friends. Christ came to stomp on the iniquities of us sinners. The gospel is for us sinners. It is for you. It is for me so that we may know that we are forgiven in Jesus. It's rather ironic, is it not? That those Pharisees, in their grumbling, they confess the most bold and profound proclamation of the gospel that Christ, he eats and dines with sinners. Rejoice, friends. Rejoice today. Christ welcomes you. He welcomes you. He dines with you so that he might forgive you of all of your sins. You are the lost sheep. You are the lost coin. You are the prodigal. Christ has sought you out and made you his own. God be praised. God be praised indeed. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thy strong word bespeaks us righteous, bright with thine own holiness. Thank you for listening to today's podcast sermon. You can access a full manuscript of today's sermon 
from Pastor Matthew Richard's blog at www.pastormattrichard.org or visit St. Paul's website at www.stpaulsminot.org. The Lord bless and keep you.